The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, I, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour, we're uh, going to continue our conversation with candidates for the 4th Ward City Council seat uh, to be, uh, well, the primary is being held August 3rd. There are three candidates, the incumbent, of course, Kate Fields, we heard from earlier, as well as one of the challengers, Judy Priestley. Now joining me by phone is uh, Michael Doan, and uh, Michael's been on the show before. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Tom. It's good to be back to the show. It's always a blessing to be able to be heard. Now, you told me you were a little bit... Uh, little bit on the go you're on your way home from somewhere and we're going to just press through all that um but let me let me ask you this michael you've run a couple times before uh for different things and uh you know for public office um given the the reputation that the city council has lately for meetings that run into the wee hours of the morning without getting done what was on the agenda and all of that sort of stuff. What makes you want to try this again? Uh, so the first time around, like I said before, I was doing this for my son. That's still the cause. I'm still doing this for my son. We need positive rep- representation down there at City Hall. Um, and it starts with city, you know, city council, the mayor's office, 
um, community leaders, pastors. And so we have everybody else trying to play their part. You know, I know you've been watching, Tom, that we have a lot of people in the city that's been stepped up since the water crisis that is still stepping up, um, trying to change Flint, um, trying to be a part of the change, trying to be a part of the solution instead of the problem. And we just don't see that down at city council. I believe we have some council do and you know do whatever they want to do instead of you know worried about the constituents and the, the the well-being of the city and not only that we have them that they can't get along you know they're down there arguing all hours of the night like you just said you know they're down there we hours of the morning um it shouldn't take that it shouldn't take that and then you know we could understood if it took those type of hours to you know come back the problems that the city see and come up with some solutions but all we see is bickering and then they table the table to this discussion for the next meeting and just keep uh tabling and tabling and tabling no work gets done so you know where you know I, and i understand city council is you know a part-time job they don't get paid much um it's really a blessing of the city to kind of have those people be there and going through those type of uh problems and trying to figure them out trying to figure out how to balance the 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 you know the counts out and trying to make sure that the city don't go bankrupt um, but we still have to have them being professional while they do it. We still have to have them being able to, um, you know, bring in the constituents to ask them what, you know, what they're thinking. And, and, and all, like I said, always think about the well-being of the city. So, um, you know, I think I can be one of those people that can bring uh, professionalism back to the city council. Um, I'm one of the young people that's in the city that's always, you know, boots on the ground, moving around, trying to do different things. Um, like you said yourself, you know, I've been out here. Um, ran for a couple of different offices. I haven't had no luck yet, um, but that's all right. We're going to keep trying. Uh, just like they say, you get knocked back down, you keep picking yourself back up. So that's what we're going to do until we can pick the city up. Well, Michael, um, there are nine wards in the city of Flint, and uh, all of them are up for election. Three of them will not be in the primary ballot um, on August 3rd, the 1st, 5th, and 9th, because there aren't more than two people. The primary decides the top two people and they go on to the November election. All nine wards will be in the November election, but there are only six uh, that will be on the ballot August 3rd. Two of them are open seats. Um, there are uh, incumbents uh, obviously running in the others, including the ward that you're running for, but there are going to be new people on the council next time around. Do you think one council person can influence the whole council into better behavior or more or the more professional behavior that you just described? Uh I would you know, we, we gave that a go around in 2017, and that's just because we kind of had to after the results came out. You know, a lot of us thought that we were going to kind of, you know, be on that board. I know for sure I thought I was doing some damage over in the fourth ward. Um, but uh, we saw that in 2017 to where only, you know, some of the board was changed out, um, and then we got to keep some of the previous board. Um, so I don't believe that actually works. Um, I, I don't know about everybody else, but I don't believe that actually works just because you have, and you can, and I'm not saying it don't work to an extent to where, you know, it can't be done, but um, I'm saying that for right now it's definitely not done because 
you just have so many people that's from Flint. I think that goes back into the mentality of just people that's come from Flint or, you know, lives in Flint or been here for, um, you know, quite some time and just know how Flint operates now. Um, you know, you have so many people that just get the big head and like, oh, no, they're trying to control things or they're trying to control the narrative or, you know, I'm going to do something about it. I want to be, you know, the president or I want to be the vice president. You, like, we, like we see now, we have that children activity, that teenage activity. Um, so I believe that if we could just get a whole fresh new board, the ones that don't come in and think they got, like, um, that senior authority, like when you go and you've been working at a job for quite some time and, you see other people are starting to come onto that job and you believe you have that senior authority. Um, I believe we can cancel out that that aspect of it and come in with a whole new board. Then, only then, we can start uh, creating that momentum to where uh, we feel like, okay, if we got somebody that knows or catching on about this stuff a little faster and being able to make it make sense a little faster to the rest of us, then, yeah, why not work together? Why not, Why can't, you know, one person you know, get everybody else on board. But I think that's only if it's not a bias, uh, you know, you have that bias look um, already to where you have those, like I said, those senior authority council people already be like, well, I've been here. I don't got to come in listen to nobody. I don't care how many degrees you got. I don't care what the ideal is. Uh, we're just going to continue doing it uh, the way we've been doing it. So um, I do think if we just, you know, one through nine, and, I, you know, I hate to say it like that because it's some – but you know what? They used to say that in school, too, Tom. It's just a couple that are ruining it for all of us. And so um, I think just with that board, um, it's a couple on there that didn't ruin it for all of them. We all, you know, the city is just so tired. The community is so tired. Um, we just want to see a change with all of them. We don't care if the problem lay with the council person in, uh, in War 1 or council person in War 4. We just know that they both have influence on that board to where, um, other people that do look up to them or other people that don't quite know what they're doing, they look for them to kind of, uh, you know, start it off and get that vote going or don't get that vote going and they just follow along. So we just got to we got to change that. Michael, you've run before um, and you've been involved in campaigns. Is it a little different this time uh, on the on the heels of this uh, pandemic? Yes, it is. You have so many people that I have so many people that alone just with absentee ballot um, is decided to do it that way just because they don't want to come to the pool, the polls um, since the pandemic. You know, they don't want to risk getting sick. I was actually at um, an older uh, person that's an influencer in the city. They had their birthday party this weekend. And um, I'm talking about they known for being an influencer and a role model throughout the city. They always throw good events. Um, but even then, you just didn't have a lot of people come out and show out just yet. You know, you have a lot of people come outside to the, you know, barbecue events, the community events, um, just because they feel like it's a little safer being outside. But the, the stuff that's still inside um, with, like, different parties and stuff like that or going in to go vote inside a school or a church, um, they don't quite feel safe yet. So um, I definitely do think that's just different. Also, being able to campaign, we had to strategize a little different. I've been working different campaigns since I was about 12 or 13 and, um, you know, helping different people that ran for mayors. Uh, my first campaign I ever worked with Scott Smith. He was running for mayor um, against Dane Wallen. I think it was back in 2008, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And Dane Wallen, he was running against Daryl Buchanan. And, uh, you know, uh, just that outlook going back into my first day, being out on the, on the uh, you know, grounds, 
you know, in the uh, communities, knocking doors and stuff like that. It just, you know, take me back a little bit to like, man, this is a little different because, you know, a lot of people won't open their doors because, you know, uh, you know, they still, you know, afraid that somebody might, you know, get them infected or, you know, you might have some people that just can't open their doors because they already have somebody that's elder in the home and they just can't risk it at all or they might be in quarantine themselves. So it is a little different. Uh, mainly we've been going real hard with social media, uh, real hard with the community events that we can get out into the public and people are already attending. You know, they might not stay the whole time. Um, they might come by for an hour or two and, you know, that's good enough for them. At least, you know, they was able to come and support and get out in the community and, you know, be out at an open park or something like that. But um, it's, it's definitely some challenges. Are are you uh, are you able to get in front of enough people? Do you think are you are you doing mailing things or dropping literature off at people's houses, yard signs? What what kinds of things are you able to do besides social media? Yes, sir. So um, <clears throat> excuse me. This time I, I kind of you know trying to strategize a little different on my part too. Um, like you said, I've been in this a couple times around now, so I kind of know what to expect. You know, even coming in, coming in as a young cat, and I was only really, you know, in tune with campaigns by working them, and like I just said, a couple campaigns by, you know, uh, making phone calls and being out at different events. But it's always different when it's your own, uh, when your own event is taking place, or when you're running for a seat, um, you know, city council or school board. Um, it's just always a little different because you're actually in charge of that campaign. It's nobody that you got to look to the orders, you know, to be given you actually got to give the orders. And so um, I feel like we've definitely been doing that. Uh, we had a, a big team. I'm talking about maybe 15 or 20 people a time come out yesterday. And that's what we've been doing these last couple Sundays. We've been actually getting small teams together. And uh, each, each Sunday has got a little bigger, though. And like I said, yesterday was the biggest day we didn't have. We had about 15, 20 volunteers come out. And we kind of hit it real hard yesterday over there by Franklin um, going into those streets, Maryland and Dakota and everything like that. And then I also been able to have a partner um, in crime to come out with me and kind of go to door to door um, with the absentee ballot uh, voters and kind of talk to them face to face, one on one. Um, I was able to get those lists from City Hall and, you know, like I said, utilizing every tool that's available to me. Um, and then also taking the time to actually get a thousand. I, I mailed out a thousand door hangers i walked out a thousand door hangers i got another thousand door hangers are going out before the election just because we have that uh big fun day in the park event that we're putting on three days before the election july 31st that's that saturday um that last saturday of this month is literally three days before the august 3rd primary election so just in that time frame we want to get as many people as we can we want to have this event kind of create this community dialogue i've been passing out fires i had another thousand fires go out with just the the event on there i um, mean we kind of walked those out yesterday as well um in the last few days we've been trying to get them out i'm, I'm telling you i don't have a single a single flyer left uh from that event just because everybody we didn't came to michael talking, I, I, michael i hate to interrupt but i have a short break here can you stick around for okay. a few minutes so we can talk some more because i want to get into some issue things too no problem, no problem. Definitely. All right. My guest is Michael Doan. He's a candidate for uh, a seat on the Flint City Council in the August primary in the fall. We'll be right back.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Hello. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My Robocall Crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. 
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversations with uh, candidates for the uh, Flint City Council in the August 3rd primary from the 4th Ward, and my guest this hour is uh, Michael Doan, and uh, he joins me by phone. Michael, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Michael, did I lose you? Oh, no, wait a minute. I had the wrong button. There. Michael, welcome back. Oh, Tom, can you hear me? Yep, I, I can hear you. I had uh, the wrong button yeah. turned up. <laughs> I was say, yeah, I've been talking. I was there. I'm here still. Well, and th- and thanks for being here. I appreciate it very much. Um, Michael, we were talking a little bit about process and about how you do the campaign differently uh, in the wake of the pandemic and with the uh, primary coming up and some events you've got going on and so on. But let's let's talk about some of what you might bring to the table if you're elected to the city council. Um, you want to share with people maybe who don't know you already what uh, what some of your background is and what skills you think you could uh, offer as a city council person? Yeah, so I'm going to try to keep this brief because I know I can go over it. Um, so born and raised, city of Flint all my life. Um, graduated from Flint Northwestern in 27, uh, I'm sorry, 2015. Um, went to Baker College. Um, got an associate's degree in business finance. I've been doing business um, hands-on since I was about 13. Um, working in the phone store, learning repairs of the phones, learning technology, um, learning marketing, uh, learning management. Um, and so now I own my own businesses throughout the city of Flint. Um, one that I own was a, a event center. Um, we haven't been open since the earlier the pandemic. Um, we don't know when we plan to back open. When I, we, when my event center, we did parties and different events, um, and catering and stuff off, you know, people just, you know, coming by and actually renting out the hall. We didn't, um, kind of operate like a club or our own bar. Um, and grill, you know, so we kind of just did it by event. And then I also owned a Metro, I also own a Metro Bite Mobile. We've opened that probably eight months ago, um, since the pandemic. Um, and it's, man, it's a great business. I love it. That's why, you know, for the longest, even before I had opened the events and I was trying to get a Metro Bite Mobile, um, it just had been so hard to kind of, um, open up one just because, uh, the stipulations that Metro PCS had in, in, in place. Um, but now T-Mobile owns Metro PCS, and so now that's why you saw the name change recently, Metro by T-Mobile. Um, and so, you know, it, it gave us a little perspective, and it's a better, you know, deal that they, you know, now offer with the franchise and the franchise fee and stuff like that. So we are able to move into that and get one of our own, me and my sister. Um, and so um, I'm doing that. Um, and then also um, I also own, uh, well, operated a, a program of uh, the name of Cyber Education Center, Brighter Futures of America. Um, that program allowed kids, um, and we still operate, we're just not operating in a brick-and-mortar uh, manner, per se, how we were when we first opened in 2017. Um, and it was right off of Pearson Road. Um, a lot of people, you know, heard of it. A lot of people didn't. Uh, the mayor at the time was Karen Weaver. She came out and did a ribbon cutting ceremony for us. And so, like I said, you know, this program helped young adults from the age 18 all the way up to 25 still be able to come to school, um, a traditional school, um, learning, you know, type of way. Even though if it was online, they can come in and get 
uh, additional tutoring for free, one-on-one help if they needed it with a, a coach, um, and also uh, be able to work at their own pace online. And so that helped them in the aspect of if they, you know, had a job or if they were going through some things at home or life-changing issues, um, they can come do the sign-up for this program, still graduate with an actual high school diploma. And then with that, if they had, like, young kids like myself, uh, my son now was eight years old, but at the time, you know, I was a young adult graduating with a baby on the way and all that type of stuff. Um, he was affected by the water crisis. That was, Like I said, that was the main reason why I got involved with running for city council, getting involved with the change, um, getting out in the community, seeing what I can do to help create that change, be a part of the solution. And so um, we came up with trying to actually work with those kids that was damaged by the water crisis to you know, kind of, you know, help them move on with they, they learning skills. My son was affected to where um, he had, was diagnosed with autism. He couldn't talk. He wouldn't talk for the longest of time. We kind of, you, you know, just thought that was weird because out in my family and, and his mom family, you know, we had kids and most of our, you know, uh, kids that's, you know, my cousins and myself, we talked at an early age. And so, you know, right away my mom then was thinking it was a problem. We got them tested, came back a couple times that it wasn't nothing. Then it ended up coming back that it was something. And so um, just with that, we were able to help him start his speech therapy. Um, we helped him learn how to be able to navigate and learn his one, two, threes, ABCs. And, and, and right along with that, you know, uh, at the time we had 150-some kids signed up. I think now uh, we didn't double that since the years. Um, I think we have probably about close to 400-some students that actually online, working at their own pace from home. Um, in Genesee County, in Redford, Michigan, Saginaw, Michigan, uh, Lansing, Michigan. And so, um, you know, we're doing our thing and, and just trying to create that change and, you know, trying to help control that narrative with making sure education can be what it's supposed to be and not just something that, you know, uh, a lot of these schools try to put together in this curriculum, the state of Michigan try to put together and, and teach these kids to where they know in the next five years it won't benefit them. And so, um you know, we try to work with Job Corps, Michigan Works, you know, real life um, programs to where we know that these programs and, you know, are happening and, and, and going on and people might have to come across this at some point in their actual adult life. And so um, Michigan Works, as you know, they help with, you know, uh, Michigan Bridge Card and sure. food, uh, food assistance and home, um, um, home ownership. Um, they try to teach home ownership. They encourage people to go out and take classes to get jobs and stuff like that. And so uh, we want to be able to create skill trade in another form in the 21st century. I know they had it way back when for the city of Flint schools and everything like that. Um, we want to bring that back. We want to bring back skill trade um, 100 times over uh, to where even when they graduate with these type of programs, the programs that I'm, you know, helping out with, the programs Flint Community Schools have, when they graduate going to 11th and 12th grade, if they decide they do not want to attend college, um, um, well, you know, Mike, we want them to be able to. Michael, let's, I was just going to say, let's, let's steer back to the uh, council, because just recently in the news, the city council um, was in the process of, uh, uh, having to negotiate a new contract with Republican or with Republic rather to yeah, uh, collect the trash, and they uh, ran past the deadline in negotiating the new agreement and right. had to come up with a 
90-day extension yeah. or temporary mm -hmm. agreement and so on. For $1.2 And now it looks like Republic doesn't want the gig. Who do you right. think should be collecting the trash in Flint? I believe the city should be collecting its own trash. I think we should work hard into, you know, with the different type, like that $97 uh, million for the stimulus that we receive from the federal government. Even though we do really need different programs in the city, economic growth in the city, we need a lot of things in the city of Flint. But one thing that we have to make sure that we continue to do, people have already went through dealing with poison water and having to bathe with poison water, feel like they, they, they sh should only use it to flush their toilet. They feel that disgusted by the water. And so um, when you have something that's disgusting, as trash and stuff like that, uh, people don't want that at their house for more than a week. You know, it's already bad enough that you have people complaining that the trash is not even being picked up as the contract was already in effect to where they, when they did have the gig. So it doesn't matter if they doesn't want the gig anymore. They had the gig and they still failed. Um, and so in good faith and, you know, I believe in praying, you know, my mom and my grandma and them is old school. So I believe in praying in these last couple of weeks with the holiday and everything, it's just been a blessing that they have continued to pick up these trash routes. And I still heard in some of my area in the fourth ward that it has not been picking up. So over here in my over here on Beachwood where I live at, right behind Powder, has been picked up faithfully every day, um, every you know Thursday. And so that's with the waste, and that's with like you know leaves and everything else recycling. And so um, you know, like I said, it's just been a blessing that that's continued. But um, I believe the city, they you know they're trying to right now, like you said, they did the extension for ninety days giving them $1.2 million for that, and then also still having to go to the process of trying to hire another company and then pay them more money. When we can be invested, that money, just for you just spent $1.2 million just for 90 days of the rest of the service that they should be able to continue out and pick up the trash all until the new actual trash people come in and, and pick up the routes and, you know, get, you know, get their guys familiar with Flint. Um, I heard that it was supposed to be a company that was already uh, um, in the bid of uh, messing with Flip before Rizzo or something like that, or they changed their name or they in partnership with Rizzo or they was, something like that. But I believe that, you know, regardless of whatever company, we should be able to re be responsible of our own city trash. It's only 90,000 people here. Uh, we gave Republic a lot of trucks that we could have kept. Them could have been jobs that's in the city. That goes again what I was talking about, Tom, with, with skilled trade. We could be using that's a that's a uh, trade within itself, people learning how to do that or starting a company to do a, a trash company or cleaning service or something like that. The city could be employing employing people right here from the city and they choose not to, so Michael, when you look back through the history of Flint and, and I'm talking about way back there have been several times when Flint had to reinvent itself and become kind of a comeback city. Right. From lumber and cigars and bicycles to carriages and cars and all that. Um, but over the last several, well, at least few decades, we've gone through some really tough times in Flint. I mean, it just seems like, you know, it started with job loss and... and <clears throat> That created a um, revenue dip for the city. And then the water crisis that you mentioned, and, and then the pandemic. It just seems like there's one thing after another after another. 
what do you think it's going to take and what would it look like for Flint to become, you know, to be a comeback city again? Well, and I heard you mention uh, the pandemic as well. Uh, I can't really, I don't want to, you know, kind of speak on the pandemic because that's been tragic enough. People have lost loved ones and um, no, I'm just saying but, we've had some tough times. No, I know, and, and it wasn't all saying. about so, fiscal policy, but it just seemed like one thing after another after another. Well, that's, and it has been, it has been. You're definitely right about that, and I'm not cutting you off on that. I just, I just know with the pandemic, that was something that was done on a federal level. So I, I want to, you know, even that's a, even though that's a problem, the main problem lie in, you know, I saw somebody else uh, and then somebody just from the community have on the shirt to where um, they were saying they didn't care about. Uh, the president or who was in the White House, they care who's in the judge house in their city. And that's where it starts at. People got to remember, we get so many people that go out and vote, even for Biden, when Biden was, you know, running against Trump in this election. We had so many people from the city alone that was so in tune with trying to make sure they voted for president and vice president to where they don't even get out and vote for August 3rd. That it, it starts with the city. We have to start here at home making sure that we can work with our community leaders, where we can make work with our constituents, where we can work with the city, the, the people down that city hall, the mayor office, the other the other people that's city council persons. Uh, we have to be able to team up and work together. And that's the only way the city is going to move forward. And you know it too, Tom. If people can be on the same page, and we're not saying everybody got to be on the same page all the time, but like you said, it's been one problem after another, one problem after another. Until we can get all on the same page, we have to work hard to get on that same page, to find that same page, to find that common ground, to be able to be like, okay, this what we have to do first. This is the first step. This is the second step. This is the third step. And uh, finally, this is the final step. And then, you know, people can go back to trying to do what they want to do for their ward or trying to go back and, 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 and say, well, I don't agree that we should do this first or maybe we should try to discuss this first and I vote to do this first. We just need to find that common ground first. We need to find where we need to start first here in the city of Flint. Once we find that start position, that's only when we can try to go through that mess, dig through that mess, and find the end, just like going through a tunnel. You know, it's going to it's, it's dark in that tunnel, but at the end of that tunnel, what is it? It's light. So we got to find that light, you know, and, and Flint is just one dark place right now. We got to be able to uplift it, but it all Michael, starts with us sticking it together. Do you think things are, are um, different for people in the fourth ward than they are for people in the first or second or seventh wards? I think it's people that's in the fourth ward and it's different in the fourth ward. Now, let me say that again, if that makes sense. I think it's different from people over here in the fourth ward for people that's over here in the fourth ward. And what I mean by that, you have the fourth ward that's been so divided for so long, it's crazy. I was talking to, I, like I said, I'm over here closer to the end, Beachwood is center. That's just right behind Potter. I was over on the other side of, of by Fresh Choice, where the old Angelos used to be, right by Franklin, Maryland, those type of streets, the State Street. Yep. And I was talking to people that's on my side of the street, and they were telling me they don't even go that way. They said if they have to go in that direction, they'd go all the way around because they don't even go that way. That's sad because it's the same community. And I heard some people that was like, yeah, they do the same thing, but they want to fix that. They want to know why they don't feel comfortable going that way. They want to be able to be comfortable going in that way because it's a straight shot to downtown. They said they'd literally go all the way around to Court Street if they had to. And, and so that's crazy. We have it so divided, not only just 
from the fourth ward and it's different from people in the first ward, we have it different from people that's in the same community. And that it shouldn't even be that way. Michael, when you're campaigning and you get a chance to talk to uh, constituents, residents of the fourth ward, um, what, what are they asking you? What are they telling you they want? They're tired of hearing the shooting. They're tired of hearing the drag racing. They're tired of hearing uh, people in the middle of the night just partying and up all hours of the night. They're tired of uh, seeing trash and abandoned houses just be dumb for, for, for littering and blight. And, and people, uh, I had one house over here right in front of Powder. Um, I forget the exact street, but it's on my Facebook page. Somebody had caught it on, uh, had set it on fire about a month ago when we was having those fires over here in this community with jammings and a clock and all that on door highway and everything. They were sent, they had came and set a house on fire too. And the lady said that live right next to it that is usually a house for, you know, homeless people. They had come and find shelter there or whatever. Um, but somebody burnt it now. Well, they didn't burn it all the way to the ground, but they set it on fire, and, and uh, it kept firing back up. And when the fire, like I said, it's on my page, the whole video. The fire department was out here, and it was wherever they set the fire at, They, I guess they set it next to a fuse box. It was so bad to where they literally was out here all hours of the night just trying to make sure it was it was lit, it was finally out for good they didn't want it to relight because they had put it out already a couple times and it just kept relighting just because it was so close to that fuse box or whatever or that fuse panel um and so you know with that just being said you know uh people are tired they they feel like they can't get into uh uh in contact with the council person um over here i even had got some in the mail from one of my opponents and it was saying that they helped out with that new Genesee group on Avery that used to be the old GM, and then they had helped to actually tear out um, one of those mobile the the mobile homes, the mobile park homes that was sitting right there on Avery too. But if you go ride back, uh, ride past Avery where the mobile home park used to be, and I'm talking about the grass is as tall as me, and I'm I'm literally five ten, five eleven. That grass is as tall as me. Yes, you can take credit for making sure, or I don't even. We don't even know if you did that because even in your other uh, uh on your websites and your 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 business for that that energy development, she have a business for energy development, or she do something with street lights and energy saving energy. Um, it says in that report, and we didn't, you know, people didn't send us different documents that they came across saying that, um, you know, it was she had did some uh houses she owned a couple rental houses or had did a couple houses over here um for the community and changed them out to be energy efficient energy efficient with the light energy windows and all like that and one of the other opponents that's running against us actually found out about it and and went to go look at the houses went to go try to find the houses in the community and it wasn't even no house it was just parking lots you know so we have the council people lying to us at the same time saying that they're doing stuff in the ward and, and saying that they was a part of this or they helped do this and they didn't. And even if they did do it, you know, they're not, you know, maintaining it right. I'm telling you, you ride by Avery right now with the mobile home. I would rather see the mobile homes there. At least the grass wasn't so high. You know, the mobile homes looked it bad in the area and everything, but at least the, mo you know, the, the mobile homes, whoever had the mobile homes, they kept the grass short. It might not look all the best, but the grass was short. 
you ride over there on Avril now, that grass, you can't even, it's a street right there coming off of Avril. You can't even see if a car is coming, how tall the grass is. I would have, if you know, I would have liked to see, I thought they were going to put a nice park there for the kids or something. It's, it's a nice little, you know, uh, small little piece of land. It's nice for a park. I thought they were going to put a park right there for the community. Nope, it's just sitting there. So people like to try to brag about little things they did when we got big problems to uh, big problems to, uh, you know, uh, come up with solutions with and talk to the uh, community. That's why I say it's important that a lot of people come out July 31st because I already then passed out maybe two, 2,500 flyers. A thousand of them was just about the event alone and people saying, yes, we're coming. Yes, we want to hear this. Yes, we want to get a chance to talk. Yes, we want to be able to, you know, let our voice be heard and say what we feel on our block or in our couple blocks of this uh, where we, you know, you you know you have people that live on I live on Beachwood, but even though right Rising Door and Dolphino is right next to me, I make sure I know those people on those blocks too. And you just have that in this type of community because the people are so nice and so you know people want to make sure their area is good. They want to make sure their neighbor house good. They want to make sure the next block is good, and so they want to come together for a community conversation. And I'm open. I'm you know I'm an open book. I tell them we definitely have to create that open dialogue. Michael, we've just got a couple of minutes left, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your campaign. Um, do you have a website or a way that people can keep track of what's going on with you or connect up to you if they're interested in your campaign? Yes, I promise you if they just type in my name, Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, not E-A-L, A-E-L, my last name, Don D O A N. If you look it up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, shoot, if you Google it and just put it in Flint, Michigan, behind it, it's gonna pop up me. So, uh, Michael Don, you can find me there. Um, my email is on all my literature. Um, my email you can also reach me at is Michael, my full name, Don D O A N, the number four, Flint City Council at gmail dot com. Um, and so also, um. You know, we're, uh, like I said, with this event, you'll be able to kind of talk to me, have some one-on-one time to talk to me, and also talk to a lot of people in a group setting. So, um, you know, that's in two weeks. That's that last Saturday of this month. And so um, if you don't get a chance to reach out on me, uh, reach out to me on social media, um, you could definitely come talk to me in person. So, Well, Michael, thanks for spending this time with me this morning and sharing some of your thoughts uh, with me and the listeners. I really appreciate it. No problem, Tom. If I, I wanted to say one quick thing, if that was all right. Absolutely. Um, and, and so I was I was wrongfully jailed um, um, early May. Um, you know, uh, I'm not going to say wrongfully. I felt like it was wrongfully how the officer did it because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't professional as I believe he should have been. I, I'm a person, I'm not one of the people that, you know, just get mad and hate the law. I try to understand everybody's job as if it was my own job. At one point, I was almost a police officer and trying to be a police officer. It's just with my health condition with sickle cell and then quite panned out for me. I passed the, the, the test to where, you know, the logic test of, you know, my basic uh, mind training, uh, the, the mind skills they put you through and, and, and uh, English and reading and all that type of stuff. I passed that, you know, exam, the written part. But the physical part, I just couldn't quite get past. And so um, with my health issues, it was just a, a kind of like a pause for me that I had to put that type of pause on my life. So um, not to worry, though, I'm still in the community, in politics and stuff like that. 
um, around good people that's in law enforcement. So I, I definitely keep my, you know, um, ears to the ground and, and open. So right. um, when that happened, when that happened, he kind of just, you know, was being very disrespectful. Well, they that's tried it, to Michael. That was, we're out, hey. of, we're out of time. <laughs> but thanks. Keep up the good work. And guess what? No You're problem, listening Tom. to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. 
MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Gentlemen, who are we scheduled to interview next? I've been waiting around now for three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, our apologies. Our next guest is the junior senator from New York. Senator, first we'd like to welcome you here today. We hope this will be a happy interview. No, well, I mean, that's, I don't think that that would be, I doubt if it will be. (laughs) Senator is the father of nine children and a devoted family man. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out to come and speak with us here. I'm delighted to see uh, so many grown-ups all in one room. (laughs) Uh, We continue the questioning with Mr. Swayze. Senator, I wonder if we might switch for just a moment and... Keep the door open. Well, sir, we normally close the door for silence, you understand. I'm in favor of keeping that door open. (laughs) All right, we'll keep the door open. Thank you very much. Senator, as an out-of-stater, some people have questioned your motives for coming into New York. I grew up here in the state of New York. Well then, obviously it does have meaning for you. What exactly is New York to you and your wife, Ethel? Something that we will hand over to our children. (laughs) Mr. St. Ledger. Uh, Now that you're a senator, you must have some very, very exciting and vital things you plan on doing for the people of New York. No, I have no plans. Surely, surely, Senator, you have some ideas. I just have no plans. Well, what do the people of New York need? Well, I think you'd have to ask them. Senator, if we can, uh, if we can look ahead for just a moment, uh, do you think your brother Teddy will one day be president? If he wants to uh, join me and where I'm going, I'd be glad to have him along. <laughs> interpret what you've just said, uh, when would you like to be president? Now. Well, I think you know it can't be done that quickly. 1965, 1966? No, obviously you can't run for president until 1968. I don't think that's fair. (laughs) 
been rumored that you're carrying on a feud with the president. Now, of course, none of us happen to believe that. Didn't you pay him a visit just recently? A few days ago. Did you have a nice, friendly chat with the president? I showed up and he had guards to keep me out. <laughs> understood, sir, that on a recent tour of the western United States, you visited Mount Rushmore. I did, yes. With the great heads of Washington, Jefferson, and Lincoln carved into the mountainside. That's correct. And as you stood there gazing up at that monument, did any particular thoughts come to mind? I'd like to be a part of that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Incidentally, due to your heavy schedule, we almost took it upon ourselves to cancel this interview entirely. I would have been delighted. <laughs> this was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. Thanks to my guests, the candidates for the uh, seat uh, on the Flint City Council from the 4th Ward included uh, uh, this last hour, Michael Doan, and uh, before that, Judy Priestley. And we started out this morning with incumbent Kate Fields. And that's uh, actually day three of six days of uh, meeting and getting to know candidates, incumbent, and otherwise for the Flint City Council in the August 3rd primary. Tomorrow we look at Ward 6. We're skipping over Ward 5. Ward 1, 5, and 9 will be on the November ballot, but not the August ballot because the primary, uh, in order to qualify for the primary ballot, there has to be more than two candidates running for office because it's uh, pick the top two and they go on in the November uh, election. And there weren't in those three wards, so we're just doing the uh, six that are contested. And uh, tomorrow is uh, Ward 6, and we'll talk with uh, Tanya Burns and Chris Del Maroney and uh, Teray King and uh, Claudia Perkins. We're going to squeeze all four candidates for the uh, sixth ward. Now, the uh, seventh and eighth wards will come up on Thursday and Friday. I think we have most, if not all, of the candidates. Uh, well, we have them all invited. I, I think we have most, if not all, scheduled for Thursday for Ward 7 and Friday for Ward 8. And, of course, Wednesday is our political roundtable, Armchair Politics with our uh, roundtable regulars, uh, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter. And I hope you appreciate getting a chance to hear these candidates uh, talk at at length about uh, their campaigns and the issues and what they think they'll um, add to the city council should you choose to elect them. Be sure and uh, make your vote heard. A lot of times a primary election in an off year is there's not much turnout, but hopefully you'll exercise your franchise. See you tomorrow. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, 
find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.